while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me this evening. We'll also take your app uh, app chat messages on the WBSM app. Open topics for the rest of the program. We actually have... um, We we actually have... uh, um, some app chat messages. I've been asking everybody because it's May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. It's a celebration of Star Wars. I've asked everybody what their favorite th- movie or just thing about Star Wars is in general. And I've asked my guest, I asked my guest, uh, Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harrow earlier. Um, he had said his favorite was Return of the Jedi. Um, most of the app chatters have said Empire Strikes Back. Um, somebody asked me, what the f- what the best lightsaber battle is from any of the nine movies? I said the lightsaber battle in the first one, uh, episode one, where you had the dual wielding lightsaber versus the other two of the of the um, Darth Maul versus the other two Jedi. Uh, that one's really well choreographed, and it was something that at the time was pretty new um, in terms of Star Wars, uh, you know, the cinematic experience. So it was it was pretty cool. I thought that was the best one. Even if the movie wasn't all that great. And I'm not a fan of the movie. It's not great. I don't think it's as bad as it's been remembered, but it's still not the strongest movie. Um, But I said my favorite Star Wars movie is Rogue One. Um, We've got some app chats here. Uh, We've got, um, you know, from a New Bedford resident, we have... um, uh, a mess- someone messaging and telling me A New Hope, which is the first, the very first Star Wars movie in 1976. Classic. Um, you know, it's the first movie. It, you know, changed, it completely changed cinema forever. It started this sort of cultural um, phenomenon that w- is Star Wars. And, um, you know, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. I think that's a good choice. I got another message from somebody telling me their favorite is episode three, Revenge of the Sith, right? Which is the one in which Anakin fully turns to the dark side and becomes Darth Vader. Becomes Darth, spoiler alert, right? He becomes Darth Vader at the end of the movie. That's the best one out of the prequels by far. It's pretty good. That one's pretty good. Um, I, I think that if the other two were more like that, the prequels would be remembered more fondly. But uh, that one was that one was great. That that is one of my favorites as well. It's a great movie. Um, some people have that as their favorite. Uh, episode three, definitely the strongest one in the prequels. Um, I like it better than 
I like it better than the la- the very last movie that came out, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker was, I hated it. Um, it wasn't the worst, but I, I hated it for a few reasons that I could get into if somebody wanted to ask me. But 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app. Who's your favorite character? Darth Vader is my favorite character, but Han Solo's a uh, very close second. Uh, Han, Han Solo's really, he's great. He's so good. Never tell me the odds, right? Um, and uh, uh, Or when uh, Leia says to him when he's about to get frozen uh, for, for Boba Fett, she's like, I love you. And he goes, I know. He's the best. He's he's my favorite. Uh, other than Darth Vader, he's my second favorite, I think, in the entire um, IP. I also like The Mandalorian, the new TV show that came out. Um, another uh, app chat message from somebody said the sequels, the sequel trilogy sucked. I, I disagree. Um, I think the first two were, re- were actually pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, the... I thought they were really good. They were safe. The first one was very, very, very safe. And of course, because it's Disney, it's the first release of the new property since, you know, in, in 20 years. Of course, it's going to be safe. Well, actually, at the time, 10 years. Of course, it's going to be safe. And, uh, you know, they want to just, you know, they're trying to sell toys, right? That's ultimately when you're making movies, uh, especially movies like Star Wars or any superhero movies, like any t- sort of IP like that in the sci-fi slash superhero kind of comic book genre. The primary goal in Disney movies in general, the primary goal is to sell toys and merchandise. That's actually where they make all the money. They don't necessarily, they make money in the movie production, but they make all of the money. They get a, their highest revenue in the merchandise. So... Whenever you see like a cute little character and all that, that's that's a toy. They're like, okay, who, who can we make into a nice toy that kids will want to get? And that's that's usually why, because they make all their money in the merchandising. In fact, actually, interesting little thing. Before we get into some real policy stuff, I just want to talk a little bit about this. Uh, when Marvel agreed with Sony to do a Spider-Man movie, Sony made all the money from the movie, right? The actual ticket sales. But Marvel, which is Disney had said they want all the revenue from the merchandise, right? The toys and the, the, the book bags and the shirts and the hats and the whatever, the cups, right? And that's just, they made a lot more money, right? That, that's where all the money really is made. So a uh, little interesting factoid. The, 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 a, lot of these, a lot of these, when they're making these movies, they, they do keep in mind, um, you know, what their, what, their, uh, what their merchandising sales are going to be like because that's where they... Make a great deal of profit. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program asking people what their favorite Star Wars movie is, but also do want to talk about some real stuff. Uh, That is real, actually. It's real and important, and it's important to a lot of people. It's important to me. I love Star Wars. And, uh, you know, know, maybe I'll start a Star Wars podcast where I can talk more about this to an audience that may be more receptive to it. (laughs) But... (laughs) For now, this is a local talk radio. I mean, any anybody has anything about Star Wars, please call. Um, I like the, uh, that's a floating topic. Send us an app chat message too um, at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get in the program or send us an app chat message on the WBSM app. We got a few messages about Star Wars and no, no calls, but messages. So if you want to call in about Star Wars, you can. I, I would really appreciate it. But we'll talk about some real stuff. 
So we talked a little bit about, I, I mentioned briefly the state of the city address. We had um, New Bedford, we had, uh, we had, um, well, we had New Bedford City Councilor Sean Oliver on last night, actually, to react to it. The new Ward 3 City Councilor. He is, he is, um, he's new to, uh, he's very new to the city council, was elected in what, end of February. So this is his first state of the city address. So he got to, you know, just wanted to react to it. I, I've said this before. The state of the city in New Bedford is different from all the other cities like Fall River and, you know, I saw one in like Amesbury, actually. They're more low-key, very low-key. A lot of them in this situation is usually just the mayor addressing either like a small little crowd or addressing the city council and the council chambers, right? Kind of like a state of the union, which has a little bit more pageantry. Um, but it's usually fairly low key, like it's broadcasted, it's covered, but it's not like, not like New Bedford. New Bedford, there is pageantry. There are, you know, there's a dinner, or not a dinner. There's a lunch. There's, you know, a lot of who's who. A lot of, uh, as Sean said, the movers and shakers in local policy, right? You know, elected officials. There's two members of state delegation there. Uh, there was two members of state delegation there. I saw Bristol County uh, DA. Tom Quinn, he was there. Um, you know, obviously, police chief, fire chief. There was just a lot of there was a lot of people. The city council, school committee, a lot of people there. A lot of people there. A lot of movers and shakers. And it's a fairly, you know, it's a nice event. There's tablecloths, right, and all of that. Um, and uh, it's pretty well covered. Um, I like that. I think it adds. A, it's the. I think he said it's this. I think. Um, I think Mayor Mitchell might have said. Somebody said it. It's the second biggest state of the city. Uh, address like in terms of its event in the in the uh, in the com uh, in the Commonwealth. I think the first is obviously Boston. Obviously, with any state of this whatever state of the state of the city, state of the union, state of the state addresses, a lot of that is focused on. Um, a lot of that is usually focused on like, hey, listen, this is all the this is all the stuff that we're doing really well. This is all the stuff we're improving on. You know, usually like, oh, since this day, usually, you know, it's it's by the executive elected official who's obviously front and center with a, a lot of the good things and bad things a particular city or town or state are um, are facing. So they usually they usually. Um, they usually, the format is usually, hey, this is where we're at before. This is where we're headed now. This is the things that have been done under my leadership that are good, right? Positive things that are done under, uh, you know, some positive things that I've done. And these are the things that we should work on. And these are the things I'm calling on Congress or the state legislature or the, um, you know, or the, uh, the city council to to work with work with me on these are the things I'm calling on so and so to do so we can work on this issue. Obviously, housing's brought up. Housing was a big part of the conversation. Offshore wind. He commended Maura Healy for her investments in the uh, in the offshore wind industry, and you know, sort of making New Bedford a big part of her offshore wind plan. One of the and one of the big announcements he had in the state of the city address was the. Um, in the state of the city address was the uh, the three one one, which is um, basically a constituent services 
phone service. So basically, the three what three one one is is it's a um, <clears throat> you call in any sort of like public blight or or uh, graffiti or pothole or something like that. You call into the city services line. You you leave them. Uh, you know you call into the city services line. You tell them what the issue is, and they work to improve upon it. So. Um, the other thing he talked about, though, was the standard of appearance uh, program. And actually, uh, the media, I, the, you know, us members in the media, we got handed a, uh, a little booklet, which I'm sure is publicly available. Um, but it's basically a plan to make New Bedford, as Mayor Mitchell said, the cleanest center city in New England. So... There are a few components of this. Uh, basically, it's, you know, a, what he's calling on is for, you know, a, it's a plan for city departments, uh, city departments and even residents of New Bedford to work to make New Bedford a much more cleaner and thus presentable place, a place that, you know, makes it more attractive for, obviously, businesses, tourism opportunities, things like that. So we're, we're going to talk about that at the um, in the after this break. But we'll take a break now. 508-996-0500. That's how you can join us this evening. We'll also take your messages on the WBSM app. Uh, I'm going to take a quick break and we'll be back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Later. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. 508-996-0500. I was talking uh, about May uh, Mayor Mitchell's State of the City address. By the way, we're going to tomorrow, I just want to preview uh, what we've got going on tomorrow. It's Friday night. Chris and I will be in studio. We're going to be joined by, at 7 o'clock, State Rep Chris Hendricks from New Bedford. He's going to talk about the MBTA um, lawsuit that happened, um, the MBTA lawsuit that uh, that, um, that the city has been, you know, basically floating. Uh, it's a draft complaint. Um, against the MBTA for the land takings. We talked about that in the first hour. We had Chris Markey on last night to talk about it for the full hour, actually. Mark, Chris Markey did not pull any punches, <laughs> for sure. We'll say that. He did not pull any punches. We're also asking you what your favorite Star Wars movie is, if you have one. We'll take some more uh, messages on that, um, too. Uh, we've got quite a few throughout the, uh, throughout the program. But uh, the... So we have him at at seven. We have him at seven. He's going to talk about that. He signed on to the letter, um, the statement with Rep. Strauss, Rep. Markey, and Rep. Schmid. Rep. Cabral did not sign on to that letter. Um, uh, basically, um, you know, condemning the uh, the the mayor's uh, the mayor's proposed uh, lawsuit against the MBTA. So we'll talk with Chris Hendricks on tomorrow. You know, Mayor Mitchell has his weekly segment with Tim Weisberg. I'm sure that'll be a topic of conversation when he's on with Tim. You'll definitely want to check that out on Wednesday, every Wednesday at 11. It's a, it's a, it's a can't miss. It's a can't miss. It's a must listen if you are uh, following the goings on in the, uh, in the South Coast. So then Ian Abreu is going to join us at 8 City Council at Large. Ian Abreu, he's going to call in. He's going to give us his, his thoughts. He's, he, he wants uh, Wanted an opportunity. I actually asked him to come on, um, but he, he's eager to, to to talk about what was covered in the State of the City Address. And so we'll talk to Ian Abreu at 8 o'clock tomorrow. So you want to be here with Chris uh, McCarthy and me on Friday. You'll want to listen 
um, to the program. And uh, we've got some uh, important people covering some important topics. I mean, everybody's important. You're all important. But I mean, politically important, right? Um, so uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. 508-996-0500. What I wanted to talk about is this, um, like I said, at the, at the State of the City, I was handed a uh, booklet. And he talked about it in the uh, mayor Mitchell talked about the contents of this booklet in the beginning of his uh, in the beginning of his speech, and um, or not in the beginning, towards the middle of his speech, I would say. And uh, it's the standard of appearance for the public realm in New Bedford. It's got a nice picture of City Hall, and you turn. It's got the picture of the lighting the way New Bedford logo on the um, on the parking garage on Elm Street. And so it's basically, it's a plan. What he says is, and I typically do not read text verbatim um, on the air in a lot of cases. It's not something I like to do. Uh, but I think it's important to just encapsulate this with using the words that they used. So what they said was, essentially, in cities, looks matter. Places are judged by their residents, visitors alike. Residents and visitors alike based on their appearance. From the basics of cleanliness and orderliness to the higher order of signals, signals of cares and attentiveness, such as well-designed buildings, landscapes, and public art. The most successful cities, those that are desirable places to live, work, play, uh, play and ensure the uh, in play, ensure that their public realm is intentionally designed and cared for. They set a high standard of physical appeal that residents, business owners, and developers feel compelled to embrace. New Bedford seeks to be such a city, and the goal of this document is to lay out concrete in concrete and specific terms, our expectations for the level of cleanliness and orderliness for which the city government and residents will hold themselves mutually accountable. Uh, the standard of appearance d detailed in this document is in service to an ambitious but achievable goal for New Bedford to be the cleanliest center city in New England. So what they're saying is they think, uh, you know, they want New Bedford to be the cleanliest center city in New England. They think it can be done with uh, work on work uh, with some work on behalf of uh, the city departments and uh, with also also with residents as well. The, there's it's basically broken up into like I counted six or seven components, streets and sidewalks, graffiti, playgrounds and beaches gateways, buildings and grounds, general designs and principles for enhancement of the public realm, and resident responsibility, right? So the first section, streets and sidewalks, um, they have a few goals here that they think they, that they'd like to meet. They want, um, you know, they, they said the most heavily, the most heavily traveled streets and sidewalks in the city of New Bedford should have streets and lampposts uh, painted black, not rusted, streets and signs mounted on lampposts where, where possible, parking meters in good repair and painted black, tree wells mulched and trees free dangling limbs and, and suckers. They should not have graffiti, litter or debris, unnecessary fencing, unnecessary construction materials, e.g. barrels, cones, and signs, payphone and magazine kiosks, or overflowing trash receptacles. There's a few examples here that he says eyesores that need to be addressed. Um, an unnecessary and uh, confusing sign on Route 18. Uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a to request green wait on. I actually don't know what the sign says. It's on Route 18. It, it has a picture of a guy on a bike it says wait on it says to request on green it doesn't make actually it doesn't actually make any sense it doesn't need to be there um there's uh no commercial signs on public utility poles and it's uh somebody uh advocating for buying houses uh basically stapled to a pole 
um, you know, trash in the streets, litter and uh, litter strewn in city owned parking lots requires frequent maintenance, uh, sidewalk and gutter weeds, you know, overgrowth, uh, rusty old green Cobra light should be painted or replaced. Um, and so he talks about, you know, the downtown district, there should be a, uh, the, the litter should be addressed systematically quickly through a combination of enforcement removal. The said the new Bedford historic district should have appropriate light fixtures, street signs with uh, white with black lettering mounted on buildings and fences where possible bluestone sidewalks, bluestone colored crosswalks and driveway aprons. Um, they said it should have appropriate street signs, black frame with a traditional blue sign mounted on the street, and New Bedford-style or Washingtonian light fixtures. Um, so they're talking about downtown districts, uh, like, you know, they mentioned specifically, you know, the um, the the Buttonwood, Buttonwood, uh, Klasky, Foster Hill, and Acushnet Heights, the things that those, those should feature. Obviously, one of a big issue in any city is uh, graffiti. They talk about graffiti being an act of, um, you know, an act of vandalism. Uh, and uh, I think a pretty, pretty strong indictment here. The most corrosive signs of blight and disorder. Uh, it serves as a warning sign that danger may be lurking. That seems a little extreme. Although I guess people typically do do, I guess tip, people typically do associate graffiti oftentimes with some type of like gang affiliated activity. I think that is something that they actually do. Um, I think that's something that they do actually. Yeah, they do. You know, I think people do. I don't know that's necessarily always the correct position, but they do say it's almost always. Um, a graffiti perpetrator's goal is almost always to have be able to admire his work long afterwards. So they need to... So they're saying, basically, if people are allowed to graffiti things, graffiti things without any sort of permitting or, or, or permission from the city, something that's not part of, like, a public works beautification process, just somebody tagging something with graffiti... What they're saying is it almost, um, uh, they said it basically, if you're, it's allowed to stand, this non-sanctioned graffiti, then people are going to graffiti stuff more because they know their, their work's going to stand there and, you know, it's going to, whatever thing they want people to see, they're going to be able to see it for a while. So they need to be more aggressive with a graffiti, um, Cleanup. They said, while well, DPI, Department of Public Infrastructure, which is, of course, the public works sector of the city, said while they're responsible for moving, removing graffiti, they said all city employees should be expected to bring instances of graffiti promptly to DPI's attention. Residents are strongly encouraged to do the same. So they're saying, of course, it's DPI's uh, position to do the job. But they're also saying, I guess it seems like um, uh, I, the way it reads is you know, it's a requirement, right? It's an, well, it's an expectation, right? Of a city employee. Uh, if you not necessarily work for the DPI, let's say you work for the city auditor's office or something like that. It's, you know, you are, if you, if you were walking to work or driving to work and you see a graffiti tagged on the walls or somewhere it's on the street or somewhere on a curb or, uh, or some type of public structure, they're expecting you to report that to DPI. So they're saying there needs to be a more aggressive crackdown effort on graffiti. <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, the third is uh, parks, playgrounds, and beaches. They're saying all pit- cities and parks and beaches should have grass mode to the recommended height, um, playground equipment in good repair, proper standard trash receptacles with appropriate baffles, covers, augmented during the summer season with plastic barrels as necessary, not open wire mesh barrels. Public uh, parks, playgrounds, and beaches should not have graffiti, again, litter and debris, unnecessary fencing, signage, overflowing trash receptacles or uh, obtrusive dumpsters, excessive weeds and planting beds, tree wells and curbing, private signage. So eyesores to be addressed. Um, they They show a shabby sign with a lockbox. A uh, mar and otherwise beautiful view on West, West Rodney French Boulevard. Kind of does. We should take a picture from that angle. <clears throat> Over time, dead and diseased trees should be removed. That's always a big issue, actually. We went through that in Fairhaven, right? We, we had this whole thing with, uh, you know, we have a under-budgeted tree department with an elected uh, tree warden position that we've been working on basically folding into uh, the, the town, into the Department of Public Works, making it a point, uh, an appointed and not uh, elected position because there is a uh, overabundance of trees that need to be overabundance. There's, you know, a lot of dead trees that need to be taken care of. A lot of that is usually um, on the Public Works Department as well, um, but that's always a big issue. Litter should be picked up frequently. So... They're talking about uh, another sec- section is gateways to put. Um, so this is uh, they identify a few gateways. So basically ways in which people enter the city of New Bedford. Right. So <clears throat> JFK Boulevard, which is Route 18, obviously a major way in which people enter the city. Um, either via the. Either via like the bridge, um, if you're coming in from the Faven side and go to uh, Route 18 take an off ramp through Route 18 or through 195, right? That's a major. Kempton Street and Route 140, obviously you come down to Kempton Street, there's Route 6 there, which is, route. you know, um, that makes sense as well. Uh, The New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge, we talked about this. What do you think it is? Is it the New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge or is it the Fairhaven Bridge? I always say Fairhaven Bridge. I live here. Like Sean Oliver said, now that I'm an elected official, I got to say the New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge. Technically, none of it's in Fairhaven. Not even technically. None of it is in Fairhaven, so it makes sense. To call it the... It makes sense to... Um, makes sense to call it the, the, the uh, New Bedford Fairhaven Bridge, but I'm going to still call it the Fairhaven Bridge. Um, uh, Cogswell Street and Cushioned Ave, Cogswell Street. So y- y- you can basically get the gist of the Sprock Avenue Street where the <coughs> public safety center is. So what they're saying is, you know, these need to be beautified. These need to be better taken care of. And they, he, sh- he cites an example of Washington, D.C., where they have uh, the section of uh, GW, George Washington Memorial Parkway in Washington, D.C. And what they said they have there is um, <clears throat> they have a it's a spotless, free and excessive uh, sign clutter. It does look very nice. Uh, it's a Google Maps, Maps image of it. And then they show a section of Route 18 that looks less, you know, the grass looks, the grass is less well kept. It looks, um, the grass is less well kept. It doesn't look as nice. I think it's it's sort of an unflattering angle. Um, but they're saying basically if they can improve upon the conditions of this, they can, um, 
they can, uh, if they can prove, uh, approve upon the conditions of this, they can actually, they said, making it look more like a, a section in Washington, D.C., George Memorial, uh, Washington Memorial Parkway. It's an achievable uh, goal. I think there probably has to be more, you know, tree planting and a better um, keeping of the, of the grass. You know, one of the things that strikes me about this is that a lot of this is under the purview of DPI, Department of Public Works, and they do a lot of great work in the city. I always say the public works departments in any town, having served as an elected official in a public works department in like Fairhaven, New Bedford, Dartmouth, wherever, they, have, they provide the most essential services that you expect from a local government organization. Obviously, public safety is important too, but the things that people expect from the municipal government is that their water will turn on, that their streets will be paved and well-kept um, and... You know, that there'll be snow removal when it gets snowy, especially here in New England. Although not lately because of global warming. But um, a lot of this has to do, I think, with uh, some, I guess, I would imagine this would have to be coupled with some added budgetary considerations for the Department of, for the Department of, um, for the Department of Public Infrastructure. Because they do great work over there. Right, they do great work at the DP. They do great work at the DPI, but they are always under budgeted. They are always under budgeted, right? And they're always their budgets always cut. <coughs> their budgets always cut. So, I would imagine there would have to come with an increase in resources to the Department of Public Infrastructure. I mean, I remember last year the city council. I mean, because you always got to do those cut night things where people just cut a bunch of stuff to say they cut stuff and they they save people money. But and they do that here in Fairhaven. They do it in every town. Oh, we got to cut things because we're saving you money. Uh, but you're really cutting services. I remember they made a major cut to the wastewater, um, a major cut to the wastewater budget last year. I'd imagine there'd have have to be some conversations with the city council though on like, hey, listen, we need additional resources for this that. We need to make this city look better. We need to make it look better, to make it a more attractive place for businesses and tourism and all of that. Because we've got the history for it, and we've got the history and the scenery and the public assets for a nice tourism profile. But in some places, we don't necessarily have to look, and we got to improve upon that. And it just increases, I think, the overall feeling about, the, uh, about a place that you live, if it's cleaner. How do you feel when you clean your house, Right? your house is a mess, it makes you uncomfortable. If you clean it, you feel a lot better. It's a, num- a much better space. And you feel a lot better about it. And, you, and, you, and you, you're typically a lot more comfortable. You feel better about the place you live. And so I would imagine there has to be a conversation with the city council about adding more resources so the DPI, on top of the great work that they do, can take these extra responsibilities. I guess we'll see. 508-996-0500. I got to take a break. We'll be right back. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. One's on the left, left, the other on the right. Right. But they're both ready to call it right down the middle. More of Marcus and Chris on South Coast tonight here on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast tonight. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. Good evening. Good evening, Marcus. How's it going? It's going. 
Good. Let's give New Bedford a break and get a Fairhaven report. I heard that gentleman from the other uh, earlier in the evening talk about a twenty-seven dollar fee to pay your water bill. My 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 guess is that's probably uh, a charge from the third party company that. Uh, well, they got to the get service. rid of that. They got to sharpen their bench, pencils and tighten their belts yeah. on that one because that I, that'll I mean, never fly. Well, I wonder. I wonder if. Uh, you wonder how many, you know, what other options are available. In well, you, terms of, you, you get in your car and then you walk in town hall and you well, pay Well, that's, that's the option. But I'm saying in terms of <laughs> online, like, say, get rid of that service. Oh, uh, you know, absolutely. It's, you, you don't need that thing. Let me ask you another question in the favor report, just to give New Bedford a break and John Mitchell and all of the other people there. Um, how about the override? What do you see happening with that? How, how does that look? I don't uh, know. It's, deep breath, huh? It's tough to say. Yeah, it's tough to say. I've I've seen signs, I've seen signs out there that that say you know face basically vote against the two and a half override. Um, yeah, I know, and you don't know exactly what that. No, no. So so means. so you know it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw those. It says vote no on two point five. Vote no on prop two point five with multiple exclamation points, right? And I had talked about. I'm not saying this is necessarily because of me, but I think it is. Yeah. Um. I said I don't know if that's actually. For uh, the uh, against Prop Two and a Half as a policy, or against the vote on the override, but then I see more signs now that say vote against any and all overrides of Prop Two Point Five. That is a Fairhaven sign. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, years ago there was a gentleman that ran for school committee, and his uh, his um, um, uh, uh, political uh, uh, slogan was. We want the best education for the least amount of money. And yeah. that is Fairhaven. I'm not saying only about education. I'm saying everything. They want the best for the least amount of money. It's, it's, it's traditional. Yeah. It's, it's what works there. And uh, uh, that, that's what happens in Fairhaven. Sharpen your pencils, tighten your but you've, I know you've lived there most of your life, but I think you're finally, you know, coming to that realization as, a, as an adult, you know, that sort of thing. Oh, I mean, that's what everybody wants all the time. They always, it's like, like, um, you know, people say Jimmy Carter lost on that Malay speech where he told people, "Hey, listen, we're going to really need to, yeah, you know, we're going to really need to make some sacrifices here." Yeah, yeah. and people are like, "No, I want everything, and I want it for free." Yeah, you yeah. know, that's yeah. that's essentially like uh, Roosevelt warned against that. You yeah. know, he said, "You know, oh, this, we like Social Security, we like these things. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it bigger, better, and it won't cost you anything." Yeah, right? Yeah. The next question is uh, on the, uh, the the firemen. Did I hear your selectman say that uh, they they've got the extra positions they, and they funded in the budget and, and it won't be part the of the four positions that were the four positions that were originally hired, mm-hmm. but they need a few more. So oh, yeah. so they need their so their staffing is they're at six per shift. They want nine per shift. That's a compromise from 14, which I said is optimal level. They want nine mm. per shift, which is what they think is tenable. The four firefighters they hired will bring them to seven, plus pulling the um, pulling firefighters off of dispatch and either getting civilian or regionalizing dispatch. So that will not be part of the override, then, It's right? not going to be part of good. the override. That's, um, that's what they said. I, I believe that's the conclusion they drew. It will not be part of the override. But they do need it to add the more the additional the additional firefighters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, to bring it to nine per shift. I think it makes a lot of sense. As I said before, mm-hmm. uh, even though I never lived there, I consider Fairhaven to be my second hometown. And uh, to, if there was ever a fire in the center with those beautiful buildings that 
Henry Harrison yeah. Rogers left you as his legacy, yeah. it, w- it would be terrible. So, well, a lot, yeah. of hi- a lot of historic homes, too. Oh, no, it, that, too. But, again, the, to me, when I walk into Fairhaven and I go into the center, you know, to me, that it's a unique place, you know. And, and to lose that because you didn't have a fire department that was fully manned, yeah. uh, I think, would be a, uh, a real tragedy, that sort of thing. Cause, you know, and and the, the high school, the castle as well, the castle on the hill and everything. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know, what's going to happen with uh, the, uh, uh, the Rogers School? I, I think that it should be. I, it's, I'm unclear. I think it should be housing. I, I think all the other ideas are wishful thinking. I know a lot of people are resistant to housing, so they're trying to find ways in which they can think of it that are, like, different from housing. But I think ultimately it's going to be and should be housing. I can't say that to a certainty, but I just think it's, it should be housing. Well, again, I think of it as part of also, too, Rogers' legacy to the town. And, yeah. it, it, you know, to me it should be kept uh, as he bequeaths it uh, to the town, looking the same and everything. It should. And, and if they did put housing in it, but if they don't do anything, they got to knock it down. Well, they, I, I, that's that's like slapping Henry Huddleston Rogers in the face. I agree, but that's terrible. It is what know? it is. You know, that hasn't been they, used in ten years, so they they can't let it sit and rot. Mm-hmm. So, and the other thing I would think too is uh, further down there, the old Atlas Tech. Again, I would look into some sort of maybe solar farm they could put there to power your downtown buildings, put a big fence around with some arborvitaes or something, so you don't have to you know see it and mm-hmm. use that to power. Uh, in fact, I think I talked with you on the, on the phone a while back about going down to Mont Lot there in uh, in the south end of New Bedford. I drove by there the other day just to refresh my memory how big that is. That's a pretty big lot, and they do have a fence around it right now. And I think New Bedford could do the same thing to supplement maybe some of the uh, power used at Roosevelt, uh, you know, middle school, which is down the, the street there. You know, right. I think it'd be a good use of uh, of polluted land, whether it be the Atlas Tack. Fairhaven or that land there in New Bedford, but you know, use solar as well as wind and stuff like that. Again, the Sullivan's Ledge is a is a great example of that in New Bedford. You know that they. What else are you going to do with this polluted land? You know? Yeah, I know. It's and I, like it that has been there for even longer. I mm-hmm, mean, mm-hmm. I remember breaking into Atlas Tack when I was like thirteen <laughs> when it, when the building. Was oh yeah, I'm there. sure a lot of kids at Fairhaven oh, did yeah, that. It was like the it was like the cool thing to do. If Spooky lived in Fairhaven, he'd be doing that too, looking for ghosts and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. You know. Yeah. Right. Well, right. all right. I give you a little Fairhaven report there every so often. Take some of the heat off New Bedford, and uh, but that gentleman that called in about a twenty-seven dollar charge just to pay your bill online. Yeesh, that's good. That's gotta go. Sharpen yeah. those pencils and tighten those belts. <laughs> Appreciate the call. Thank you. All right, my friend. Take care. Gonna take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. One more time for one quick call. Good evening. Hello. Yeah, what's up? Hey, you tell me. I'm just figuring I'd say I'm a Rocky Marciano with you. What? I figured I'd say I'm a Rocky Marciano with you. Oh, what's that? What about him? I was just going to put a clip of his fight on one of his fights against Desi Child. What? Hold on a minute. I was going to put on a couple of clips of his fights from the first fight with Desert Charles and the second fight with Desert Charles. I think those were the toughest fights of his career, even though he never lost a fight. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Uh, next. Are you on, you're on the air, right? Yeah, I'm on the air, man. 
What's going on tonight, my friend? Uh, a lot went on. We had the sheriff on. We had a few things going on. We had a good, some good conversations. Um, oh, and so what did he have to say about the riots and the? Uh, there's going to be a media availability tomorrow in the, in the wing of the of that was trashed. So I'm going to check it out. And we'll, I'll let you know what I see. I'll, I I'll gotta, take some pictures. I put my own opinion in on that. I I mean I'm glad that Hodgkinson's out of there. Now if Chris is there, he's going to go bananas. But I don't think he's there. Um, but I think that um, Haru needs to. Get a little more aggressive. He's being too liberal. You got to remember something. These guys are not. I, I've heard stories he, of guys he, that have been in there recently. He's given prisoners high fives and stuff. That's not how that works. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, he's he's pretty pretty experienced in corrections. I think he has a good grasp on how it works. Um, and I think the philosophy in which he's governing is the philosophy he campaigned on and the people voted for. And so. That's yeah. the that's that's how it's you know that's how it's going to go. He needs to do as the old movie said, walking. He needs to start walking tall. Yeah, that is a movie. Oh, so, <laughs> well, that's based on a true story, but the movie's yeah. fiction, fictional from the real Buford Posse. That's actually he's actually an interesting man to look into. Um, look him up sometime. Sure, some research. But um, no, I mean. All right, hey man, gonna... uh, hey man, I got, I gotta go. I appreciate the All call. Right. Thank you. Good evening. You got like ten seconds. All right, sorry. I'll uh, see you guys tomorrow. Tune in, Chris Hendricks, Ian Abreu, and you guys. So tune in. I'll talk to you then. See ya.